and I just said to Anne-Marie, Anne-Marie, I'm thinking of going, I'm going to try and run around the whole coast of Ireland, north, south, east and west. And she said, Mary, how are you going to do that? Because I know you, you get lost in the supermarket, which I do, I have no <laughs> sense of direction. And I just said to her, well, you can't get lost. We live on an island. I said, if I leave Arklow and the sea's on my right, <coughs> and I keep going, I'll end up back in Arklow. And she said, yeah, you're right there. And I said, look, I'm, don't say it to anyone, it's just in my head at the moment. And she said, knowing you, you probably will do this. So a few more weeks later, I, I, there was no great planning, there was no great thought. A few weeks later, I said it out loud. And of course, people said, you won't do that, for God's sake. And I said, not only am I going to try and do it, but I'm going to leave on the 1st of January at 9 a.m. It's going to be my New Year's resolution. 1st of January, 9 a.m., 2018. That, my friend, was Mary Hickey. And this is the Inspirational Runners Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. My name's Robbie Marsh, and I'm your host. So welcome to the podcast. Finally, we got a chance to catch up with an extremely inspirational runner, Mary Hickey from Arklow. In 2018, at the age of 65, she decided to run the 4,000 kilometers around the coast of Ireland. She raised a staggering 70,000 euros for the RNLI and was awarded the Outsider Magazine Woman of the Year. If that wasn't enough, tomorrow the 30th of June 2019, she finishes a lap of honor where she competes the same course in the opposite direction on her bike, showing that age really is just a number. Running isn't new to Mary. She's the only woman to have completed all 39 of the Dublin marathons, gracing a personal best time of 2 hours and 57 minutes. Astonishing. Winner of the Wicklow Way and finisher of iconic races such as the Boston Marathon and the Marathon de Sables. Before we start, I'd just like to give a shout out to our sponsors, XL Sports, who are hosting one of the most scenic marathons and half marathons on the race calendar this year. It's the Wild Atlantic Way. The date is the 14th of July and the venue is Killy Beggs. This is one race you'll be glad you entered, so drop into their Facebook page or website to enter. With great pleasure, I give you Mary Higgy. I'm going to go back to the Runaround Island okay? Right. Okay. to start off with. Um, what inspired you or what made you come up with that idea to begin with? The run around Ireland. I was doing a race up in the Wicklow Mountains called the Lap of the Gap. It was a horrendous day in April, I think it was. Horrendous day. <laughs> Had a good run, mind you. And someone <clears throat> said to me about a week later, what race were you at at the weekend, Mary? And I, slip of the tongue, I said that I was at the Lap of the Map. So it kind of sat in my head and it kept coming back into my head and I said, a lap of the map. I wonder, could you run a lap of the map? Uh, so I had the idea, the idea came into my head, could you run around the whole lap of Ireland, literally the outside? And then I thought, why would you do it? And then I thought, well, the coastal services are the RNLI. Now I hadn't said this out loud to nobody, this was in my head. and. And then I remember saying it to my best friend, Anne-Marie. We're friends since we were three and four. And I just said to Anne-Marie, Anne-Marie, I'm thinking of going, I'm going to try and run around the whole coast of Ireland, north, south, east and west. And she said, Mary, how are you going to do that? Because I know you, you get lost in the supermarket, which I do. I have no <laughs> sense of direction. And I just said to her, well, you can't get lost. 
We live on an island. I said, if I leave Arklow and the sea is on my right, <coughs> and I keep going, I'll end up back in Arklow. And she said, yeah, you're right there. And I said, look, I'm, don't say it to anyone. It's just in my head at the moment. And she said, knowing you, you probably will do this. So a few more weeks later, I, I, there was no great plan and there was no great thought. A few weeks later, I said it out loud. And of course, people said, you won't do that, for God's sake. And I said, not only am I going to try and do it, but I'm going to leave on the 1st of January at 9 a.m. It's going to be my New Year's resolution. 1st of January, 9 a.m., 2018. And I was working away in my little coffee shop. I am not the best organiser in the world. So what I did was I just threw a map of Ireland out on the counter. And I got a biro, literally a biro. And I, I started to draw little circles. I went to Arklow. Greystones, Holt, Scurries, on the way up. And I drew the circles all the way up to Malinhead. And then, to be honest, I, I kind of lost the will to leave. I couldn't figure out how to get down over from <laughs> Malinhead, not with the biro anyway. So I left it at that for a good while. And a few people that I had said it to kind of said, well, Mary, have you, have you really thought about this? Have you planned it? And how are you going to do it? And a little team gathered behind me that were going to help. Now, I think... When I left Arklow on the 1st of January 2018, I think I had about maybe two genuine people going to help me, or three. But I ended up with a backup team of 10, which they were brilliant because I'm not a social media person. So they, okay, I had planned most, but then the other team took over the rest of it, uh, the planning of where I was going to go and where I was going to stay in the whole lot. So they, and then, they were sort of working, they did a great job of working oh ahead. Oh my God, they done like fantastic. people and organising. No, it wouldn't have been anything that it turned into without them. Mm. Like, I was just doing the running, but they were doing all the, kind of the, the pushing it for the RNLI, the fundraising bit and the organisation of where I was going to stay. Like, I ended up in the most beautiful hotels and, B&Bs and like I would just literally look at my phone at night to see where I was staying. Well then they got, they got I heard when of you come in and somebody asked me you know this crazy yeah. woman's running around island. Yeah exactly. <laughs> and um, so I took a look and I said oh yeah she's definitely got to stay here. Um, but then all of a sudden the local hotel got wind of you oh we want you and look, <laughs> I phoned you through and said look she is not staying at the hotel yeah. she is staying at my house. So yeah. he says, I'll run her a nice hot Epsom salt bath, get some protein in her and get yeah, her ready. which is what you did. And it was, um, so we were arguing over you. Oh. <laughs> it, it actually became a bit like that, coming mm -hmm. into towns. People were meeting me all over the place, wanting to buy me lunch and just that and the other. But my team were brilliant. Like they organised shops that I could stop in for. So what sort of preparation did you do then? So you, you just no. like. This idea came into your head and then you spoke the idea and then it started to materialise. There wasn't really much planning involved at all, was it? It was just like, no. let's just do this. I almost deconditioned. I kind of, I knew, I, I, I think I just let my body not get ready for it because I don't think it's something you can, this is just my opinion, I don't think it's something you can train hard for because I think by the time you go to start you'd have nothing left to give. So I was busy working. I have a little coffee shop, so I was busy working away. You didn't have that. that open that long, really, did you? I have it about seven years. Okay. But uh, that Christmas, twenty eighteen, they had a pantomime in in the sports center where I have the coffee shop. So I had the busiest three days of my life. I was doing like twelve hour shifts 
literally for the three days before I left. So I really hadn't much time to think about it. And then I remember getting into my friend's car. My friend Jean drove me down to the start with my rucksack and the bag that was going to be transported and just leaving Arklow, running up the side of the quay and over the bridge and looking up the road where I live and go, bye, <laughs> and carrying on up the coast road. And um, I could only think about it as the next two days or so at a time if mm. I started to really think about it. And I hit the worst weather ever all the way yeah, around. It was you know a horrendous I mean? Christmas so winter period, it January, was, February. Yeah. You know, it was a really, yeah. and we were hit with storms all yeah, over the place. All over the place. And the big snow then in March when I really mm. thought, no. I had sent my... I had walking poles, ski poles for when, it, you know, if I did hit snow and I did hit snow. But I sent them back after, I think, end of April. I said, I won't need them again. And then we got the big snow. I think I'd gotten myself to... Where was I? I got myself to Climber, I think it's called, just before the Tarbert Ferry. And the weather warning was coming in the next day. So I thought, well, hang on a minute. Let's get yourself to somewhere a little more civilised for... Because there's very little... At, at the ferry points so i got to uh listole the lovely listole arms hotel is where i spent the red weather warning and i i actually got grounded there for three days because the warning came in and it wasn't really lifted the day i wanted to run i said no i can't because it's going to be late in the day when i leave and it's still winter it'll, it'll be dark so i was three days there and i nearly forgot how to run literally because i was just nothing but just lying around for three days and and then i started off again but it's four thousand it's four thousand kilometers is it uh, uh walking in miles it was uh one thousand five hundred and nine miles <laughs> if i say it like did you that. work that out before you went the, no, I do. I worked it, each day. I my distance. I measured it on the watch, yeah. and each evening when I finished, take a picture of the watch, send it back to the team. So they were adding up. I wasn't really that much aware of the distances, and um, okay, I have this tracker on me at all times. The tracker follows me whether I'm running or not. So that's just my safety thingy mm -hmm. but the mileage that i covered on my own two little legs was done on the watch on yeah. my, my my running watch in a picture and send it back to the crew so they were adding up so where did you start it was wicklow started Arklow. in arklow county wicklow on 9 a.m where was your first destination then Greystones. Greystones. which is about 50k it was a bit long for yeah, day so one so nobody would really knew you were you were doing it at that point there was no, no momentum or anything no. like that so no. the road was would have been quite a Beautiful, beautiful sort of place to run. Yeah. But yeah. there would have been no real support or anything. You know, it was a little Mary no. out on her own. Yeah. yeah. Now, the, the, a, a good group from Arklow ran with me to various little okay. points on day one. And a couple of them actually ran to Greystone, which is the longest they'd ever ran in their lives. And then day two, I had a couple of girls with me for some of day two. And then I was on my own. And that's when the fun began because... Like, I have no sense of direction. So uh, there was a lot of uh, looking at Google Maps to see whether I go this way, that way, the other way. But you always find your way, as I say, to see on your right. And that's it. I remember when I got up to, um, around Unleary, I was on sort of the high road as such. And there was a girl trying to find me and she was on the low road. And I didn't know she was on the low road. And then I thought, I think I have to go 
to the other road so she, i went down and she went up we spent about half an hour trying to find well she was looking for me and she found me eventually and we called into the dunleary we called into all the stations with wicklow yeah. Greystones. i called into dunleary uh, it wasn't really on the list but i called in there and got a cup of tea there the weather now has turned really nasty like it was really really cold and wet so my friend ran with me as far as um I was heading for Hote now, as far as the city centre there, and, and she left me there. So getting, I got down to Hote, it was dark, pitch dark by the time I got down to Hote. Hote at that stage didn't know it was coming. So I got down to Hote and my sister Hazel was there, she works for 104 FM. And Hazel took a quick picture of me at the Hote station with my coat wrapped around me. We looked like two drowned rats. And then I stayed in my friend's parents' house that night. And then, as you know, once I left Hote, it just took off, really. Yeah. Up Scurries, up this, up to Clarehead, all these stations. Cause See, before you start off, did anybody try and, and guide you away from it and say, Mary, what the heck are you doing? Can you oh, think yeah. of... Yeah, yeah. Think of one com- conversation that stands out uh, Well, I, I think, actually, the RNLI themselves kind of thought, oh, no, we can't have this. We can't have yeah. this. We can't have this. 60 something year old running on the roads in the winter mm. something will happen to her and it won't be good for the rnli so i think at one stage a couple of people came to see me and chat with me but i didn't know why they were coming to chat with me and i thought they were coming to meet me on the road so i chatted with these people as we walked into um i think it was into scurries and by the end of the conversation they said no she's grand leave her on yeah. she's grand they wanted to kind of kind of take me off the road literally mm. as i said look at i'm an adult um uh, no one's taking me off the road i'd like to see them try but um i think they were just nervous of a woman of yeah. a certain age uh in case i wouldn't you know succeed maybe and it would look good wouldn't look mm. good but um i'm that kind of person when i'm very stubborn She's that kind of person she's I'm very stubborn, stubborn. <laughs> that's one thing we'll say like but i'll also say that if if I am running, I've done a lot of mountain running. If I run in the mountains, this is my opinion. If I run in the mountains and I fall, that's my fault. If I run on the roads and something happens to me, it's my fault. No one's going to get the blame for it. I'll mind myself, look after myself. So um, this trip just grew and grew. The momentum grew. The fundraising grew. The money started to come in. I only was hoping to make in my wildest opinions i thought if i can get twenty thousand, which is i thought that's a lot i ended up with seventy two thousand. yeah it was phenomenal wasn't it, it was and the support around the coast of ireland at the ornelli stations was unbelievable it was amazing like so we met you in Greencastle here in county dane yeah and um, my wife actually ran into she, the life yeah boat with you and then so it was great there to have them sport from the lifeboat. So started, yeah. that's where it was really starting it to pick re- up yeah, wasn't it? It started, uh, it, once I hit into Northern Ireland, I feel mm. as though it lifted, it took off, it grew, and it just continued all the way through. Yeah. So it the support was off. So we had, a, we had a great group of people here that met you. You did. We had Laura Graham. Yes. Who had, um, was our national champion yes time. put she pressure on me there all right yeah <laughs> definitely I, when i heard that i thought oh my god like this girl has won the national marathon oh my god she's going to come running with me tomorrow <laughs> but uh i have to say it's a great photograph of the team oh, because like you've ran all of the 39 dublin marathons yeah, yeah, and here was laura yeah. who's 
relatively new to marathon yeah. run as well but she was our national champion yeah for play for to come out it was it was there was lovely pictures but it was quite icy that morning yeah. i remember we we didn't get too far down the road when i threw my hands up and i said whoa stop now we'll have to get onto the edges and the and the verges not to not but to you ran to newcastle then i remember yeah. like um my wife, I'm sure she's not mind me saying, like, but she was struggling to keep up with you coming into Newcastle because you need to go and get me a bar or some sugar or something <laughs> to keep up with Mary. I was, I, I actually was running quite well considering yeah. the distances I was trying to put I in. I think it was the competition that was next to you, like. Oh, that never <laughs> yeah. Be. yeah, yeah. But you feel you kind of do feel as though if people of that caliber join you, you try to mm. run. You, you definitely try to run. No, I, I remember coming to take photographs and saying like. She, she may slow down like <laughs> she may slow down a bit because we're flying down the road yeah um but the momentum really picked up like you had people that were sponsoring you along the way yeah. and they were giving you like running shoes because running shoes doesn't oh, last when you're doing no, 1500 no, no. miles i went through four probably no more than four decent pair of runners because the weather was so bad that took its toll on them mm -hmm. really the wet and the misery um took its toll on them but getting broke up because i spent a lot of time Right in on the verge. I reckon I spent a whole week in the ditch actually, when you <laughs> if I put it all together, because some days you'd be going up and there'd be a lot of traffic. And my my whole aim was to keep myself safe and not cause any hassle to the traffic either. So mm -hmm. if I see a juggernaut trudging down the road in front of me, I'm in the ditch for a minute or two. So I said it was some days was a bit like dancing, I was in the ditch, out ditch, in the ditch. But that took a toll on, on the runners, all right, yeah, definitely. Can you think of any time that it got really grim? Because we had some really bad weather there. So yeah, no, do you know what? I just look out in the morning, I go, oh my God, it's even worse. And the rain would be going sideways across and it'd be sleet and freezing. Yeah, I had a, I had a, some horrific days out on the road. Yeah, definitely. Did you ever feel like, mm, like mm. This, this isn't going to happen? No, but I did have one day where I thought maybe now for for he health and safety you should get off this road. Yeah, but just and for that day, not, not just to that quit. day. <laughs> just not that day. No, I didn't want to quit, but I thought I'm going to get in trouble. This rain is, it's actually got into my clothes now. I'm I'm getting really cold. My hands mm -hmm. were frozen. Uh, it was getting through, and I just thought, now hang on, you're going to get in trouble. So I made a little video and sent back to my team that. I might have to get off the road, but my bag had gone ahead of me with all my clothes and my money. So I was kind of stuck on the road, really, when you think mm -hmm. about it. But um, that was the day I kind of thought, OK, let's let's think about this. Let's see if you can solve this problem. I had one dry top and a plastic bag on my little rucksack on my back. And I went into a little apple green. It was Sunday. So, I mean, I thought I saved myself because there was a, a farm shop. And, but it was shut and I thought oh no but then I saw this little apple green shop and I went in there and I asked the young girl behind the counter would she have a, a bin liner for me like a big bin liner and the little one she was only about maybe 16 she just looked at me drowned rat she just said we only sell them in rolls so mm -hmm. I remember saying to her I only want one but look at I'll buy the roll if I have to but an older lady behind another girl come over and says are you just looking for a plastic bag and I and other customers are looking at me saying, what is wrong with this woman? So I said, yeah, if you have one. So she handed me the perfect big plastic, clear plastic bag. And then I went around the corner and I bought a pair of marigold gloves, a sausage sandwich, a big cup of tea. And the last question was, do you have a toilet? 
because I knew I needed to get in somewhere to do this. So into the toilet I went. I took all the wet upper body clothes off except for my sports bra and I threw on my dry top and then I put, stuck the plastic bag down, holding top, two arms out. <laughs> so I'm in the toilet here within the plastic bag and I threw all the wet clothes then back on top. I had at least two layers and two coats and I threw them all back on top. Now it wasn't a nice feeling in the in the loo in the and I drank my tea and I came out and I ate my sausage sandwich and I had bought the marigold gloves and a pair of 150 fluffy ones so I put them on the hands, hands were frozen marigolds on and I came out and I got back on the road and about 20 minutes in even though like I couldn't run it was gale force winds on my face even though I couldn't run I, I could feel myself warming up and I actually said no I'm going to be grand I'm not going to be able to run I was about 19 miles ahead of me. I'm just going to plough on and think of it as a kind of a day off almost because I can't run, but I can move. And it went very well. And I remember going up one road and a little car pulled up and this little old man rolled down the window and he looks out and he just says to me, are you wanting to be walking? <laughs> and I said, unfortunately, yes, thank you very much. And carried on. And then I had another little incident the same day. This was probably my worst day. Some, some young person, or maybe an older person, I don't know, came out behind me in a crossroads and was doing the donut thing. And I thought, oh my God, he's going to kill me now. But he went back the opposite way and I thought, Grant, he's gone. So I carried on. It was in a crossroads and it was a hill out and a hill into it. And I was going up the hill out and didn't he come back again? And he flew. I, he literally done wheelies up the road around. There was one other car travelling. So I thought, I think I'll just ring the guard and tell them, this guy's doing what he's doing on the road and maybe they could get him off the road, save someone and save himself. So ring the guards and what's the first question the guard will ask you? Where are you? Where are you? I hadn't a clue. <laughs> so I said to them, look, can I just, uh, I'll give you a heads up. I'm just going to run back down the road. There's signage down there and I'll give you a heads up on that. So I ran back down the road, gave them the heads up, turned slowly to come back up the road my team in Arklow, I don't have a backup team with me, but I have a backup team back in my town, were watching me on the tracker, going the wrong way, going backwards. I think they panicked a bit and thought that because the weather was so bad and everything was getting cancelled all over the country, they rang the town ahead, I can't even think of the name of the town, in Donegal, and said, can you just go out, out the road a bit? We think Mary's lost her mind, she's going the wrong way. If they'd waited 10 minutes, they would have seen me on the tracker turning and coming back but they were panicking over me so I'm coming into the little town and there's people coming out shouting Mary is that you Mary are you all right they're very worried about you in Arklow it's amazing the things that you can people shout at you in Donegal so I was there with the plastic bag and I said I'm fine I'm grand I have my marigolds I have my dress and some girl was videoing the whole thing so I could call that a very interesting day on the road between the storm and the fun and the misery of it all but you know you'll survive like a plastic bag you don't need it's those type of memories that sort of made it that journey isn't it yes those things will stick things like oh, lots of things like that i'm just yeah. saying like uh, okay like every day there was memories being every formed, day like, yeah and it, it, i'm it sure was, there was no boring days no there wasn't a single boring mm. day 
Uh, it was long days. There was long, long. What sort of distance were you covering then? Because you're going from uh, art life yeah. house to life yeah. house, really, wasn't it? Well, kind of, but then the distance between some of them are oh, very yeah. up in Donegal. The distance are very big between lifeboat stations. Yeah. So look, I'd say about fifty k was my longest days, right down to only maybe seven or eight sometimes, mm. just to give me a break, and I had the odd day off. So like it was, it you was, weren't really taking days off when you should be taking days off. Either, no, were you? no, like no. Your team was telling you, Mary, yeah. this is a day off. Yeah, but you're like, you, no, no, I'm feeling no, good no, today. No, I'm no. I remember one day coming into was it Waterville? Where's Waterville in Kerry? Waterville, beautiful place. I was coming in there and it was a short day and I thought, God, it's really short. This, this is, this is a very short little trot now. But I got into Waterville and, um. I stopped the watch and I took a photograph of it. But something in me, I don't know why, something I said, I'm going to do another bit of distance and I'll take a picture of it and I'll add it on. But I didn't tell my crew back that I was doing this. So I went in, I finished that little stint. I went in, I had some food. I got into my normal clothes and I came out and I started to cover some distance. I am very glad I did because the hill out of Waterville is part of the carry whatever it's called cycle route it was i think it was about six miles just up 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 <laughs> and this is where i was meant to be starting from the next day so i got okay. there's a lovely girl i had gotten to know she was taking photographs and she said mary if you just um i'll collect you when you get to the top and bring you back down do you know what i mean so i just covered that this it was a hell of a hill but i had i just said i'm so Work glad done that's done i can start on top of this tomorrow because people were amazing weren't they like they were coming out and you talked about you had a rucksack when you came here but people were actually grabbing your rucksack and driving it to the next location yeah yeah and like because that as you said you didn't have that much planning in it but if you were to carry that thing oh you wouldn't get what way, you wouldn't you, it was heavy enough because mm. you like you had your gear for the whole trip in it i i followed you around then Mm. just online um but there was like running groups were coming out in yeah. each town and yeah. were, it just got bigger and oh, bigger lovely. didn't it yeah you're reaching our eyes and they were having yeah. like you think it's a birthday party oh stop it into. i had brass i had uh, pipers piping me into towns i had i remember one at one stage i'm trotting along the road on my own there had been a girl with me but she disappeared and i wasn't even sure where i was going but i said i'll get there and i'm trotting along the road and out of I came to another crossroads and an RNLI vehicle arrived, a Coast Guard vehicle arrived out of another road, a police car arrived and a, a, a guy in a jeep. And I, I'm going, hang on a minute, what's going on? So they said, well, we've come to bring you in, Mary. I said, like, I'm just one woman here, I don't need all these. But I had an entourage of Nina Ninas coming in. <laughs> like, you feel like, what are people going to think, you know? But that was the day, actually, um, Sonia O'Sullivan and her friend joined oh, me. And um, they were on bikes. So I had said to Sonia, I said, look, would you, you go ahead to the Ornelai station, jog about, out about a kilometre and meet me. I said, because I am literally not having a great day today. Mm. I am moving quite slow, so... Herself and her friend did that and they came out and they jogged with me. And as I was coming into, I don't even know the name, it was a beautiful place, Crosshaven, I think. As I was coming into it, all these motorbikes came along the road, loads of them, and they were buzzing past me and all I could see was the helmets turning, looking at me going, 
how's it going, Mary? And I thought, <laughs> okay. So we got to the station and it was the Arklow. Um, they have a, a cycle, a motorcycle club, and they were doing their run around for the Arklow Cancer Support. And they knew I was on the road. So they all came on the same road. So between having Sonia and her friend and this crowd from Arklow on their motorbikes, it was just like an un- unreal. It, mm. it really was. Lots Did you have of any real like emotional experiences? Like pe- people you met or things that humbled you or anything like that? The whole thing from day mm. one, literally. But I, you, when you're doing something like that, you, you kind of try to, ha- you have to hold a lot of your mm. emotions, I, I feel in and not let them get don't get too emotional about it um you reminded me of my first ever ultra which was in davos in switzerland and i was standing on this track before it started and the next minute i'm blubbering away to my and i'm going mary i haven't even started running pull yourself together so this is the same it was kind of hold hold it all keeping the focus keep, make sure keep you get focused the job done. and concentrate mm. each day because you had a job to do every day yeah every day it so was what did you do for recovery or did your body just as you said you've done a good thing at the beginning you were quite smart and you didn't really you let your body sort of decondition because you knew yeah. you were going to be on the road for such a long time yeah. that you were going to build your condition yeah. back up, yeah. like, isn't it? Yeah. Did you, and, and, uh, did you get many? Because near the end... Oh, I, I, I think literally once I... I got up around over Malinhead and I was going <laughs> down... Big hills, like. I was going through da- down to Donegal and my hip did start to really give mm. me gyps. So it wasn't a pretty sight to see me coming out of some places. I was literally running with a bit of a limp, but it's kind of, you know, like bearable... Yeah. kind of pain that you know it's not enough to bring it to a halt and i got the odd massage here or there do you know what i mean it wasn't i wasn't getting loads because mm-hmm. you just can't and i was taking the odd nice hot bath but um nothing was going to stop me so it's just a case of look come on this will go this will go away eventually and you know funny enough the injury did settle down mm-hmm. I, like it didn't have a choice really did it <laughs> It, it did settle down. I ended up uh, on my last up around Waterford, Wexford. I was back to running half decent again. Uh, I knew it was taking its toll, but I was back to running half decent. I wasn't in as much pain. The body's an amazing thing, isn't, isn't it? Like, it? When you put it's it through machine. its pieces. Like. Yeah. So what was, it, what was it like then coming back to the finish in your hometown? What was that experience like? What I was that day like? I have to say... That was an absolutely wonderful experience. Like, I mean, I definitely wasn't expecting that kind of a reception. And it's only looking back on it. Um, I can't think of the name of the guy, but he had done um, a drone footage. And I, I looked at that and it's like, is, is that re- did that really happen? You know, it was kind of like, I just came into my town. There was children, adults, there was music scouts out you, you'd inspired a nation at that stage oh, look, you know what lovely. I mean everybody yeah. was sort of and like it was so yeah. inspiring to see somebody because you were what were you 64 I was I was actually 65 and pension age is 66 so I had said I'm going to try get back before my first pension check <laughs> which, which I did but that was kind of like you know people said Mary are you mad or what I said, yeah, no, I'll get around. I'll, I'll get back before I get... I can, I'm going to get back before I collect the pension, my first pension check. So I did. I got back in April and my birthday was in June. 
Yeah, it was amazing then because you were trying to, as you said, 20,000 euros yeah. would have been a phenomenal amount, but it really picked up momentum. Yeah. And by the time you got back round, you had 70,000. 72 in the end. But I, I actually put it all down to my backup team because mm. like I was just a runner on the road. Uh, I know like people were inspired by it, but it wouldn't have come to anything like that without the backup team like they what well, they were working nearly harder than me they were under more stress than me because like i'm not good i'm not good at the great communicate and i sometimes wouldn't mm. even communicate with them for days because you I had was, a different job to do like you know so yeah. it's good to have them on board to take yeah, they a were lot fan- of stress away they from it fantastic they don't you know like I mean? they organized food stops they organized beautiful places for me to stay they mm. organized meals There's loads of people offered them a free yeah. place to stay, didn't yeah, they? Like all the way around the place. Because yeah. like, you'd hardly spend a penny in the north on accommodation. No, I think, I think I was up in, oh, what was the name of the little town? I hardly, I'd, I'd only spent about the equivalent of 12 euros. Yeah. And I remember, I think it was Newcastle, that's just up the road, yeah. isn't it? I was staying there and it was dark and cold and I had gotten out of my running gear and for some strange reason I decided to go for a walk you know what I mean like why do I need to go for a walk after yeah. running but this I just I just go for a little walk so I put all my clothes on I had my hood up I looked like any little hoodie person and I went into a little shop opposite uh, the Harbour Hotel yeah and it was called a Harbour shop I think and I went in there and I was just getting a few things for a cup of, you know for a cup of tea when I go back to the hotel and I was just grabbing a few bits and I said to the woman behind the counter, I picked up this pack of jellies and I wanted to change them. So I just said, can I change these jellies for those jellies like a child? And the girl behind the counter says, are you the woman off the telly? <laughs> and like, I, there was nothing on me to say I was yeah. out running around the country. It just must have been my voice. And I said, uh, I don't know, am I the woman off the telly? <laughs> And then she just said, are you, are you running around the country for the RNLI? And I said, I am. And she handed me the little bag of stuff that I, and she says, that's my contribution. Now that's a little tiny shop in the middle of nowhere. Do you know what I mean? Things like that happened. Yeah. Now I said, you had no, a lot of interviews like, didn't you? Because even when you yeah. stayed here, you had yeah. the phone in and you were upstairs on yeah. the phone having an yeah. interview. Yeah, like. I, I did a lot. And a lot of the interviews were literally done under a tree in the rain because yeah. it was raining a lot. I think I was trying to get to Ackle or Nalai and, um, oh, I forget who it was, in, was, trying to get through to me, to interview me. And I said, look, I'm hope because the line was really bad, like, and I only had the mobile. I said, I'm hoping to get there for half three. But my goodness, the Ackle station is a long way out. You get to the town of Ackle, it's still another about 10 kilometers out so I was trying to get her and trying to get there and I was looking at the watch and he's going to ring me now and I'm in the middle of a storm. So he, God love him, he did ring me and I said, look at, I'm, and he couldn't hear me. So he said, okay, look at, um, I'll wait till you get to the station and we'll try and get you there. So when I got to the station, he rang me, but the line was bad. So eventually I went into their little office and I was on their landline and it's like a little glass cage, you know, and I'm sitting there talking I forget who who was I on the telly with? It was him? What's his name? Can't remember. Anyway, he he phoned me and uh, I was doing the interview Wasn't and I Ray is it? Ray Darcy, yeah. Ray Darcy, yeah. yeah. And I put my head up and the whole station was standing around looking in at me and I actually felt like 
oh here I can't Too so I went pressure. over I went over to the wall and I just put my head down like this and continued chatting away uh, I couldn't do it with them all looking at me and um, so but the line wasn't great but he got his interview done mm. and I thought that'll be it I won't hear from, again, from him again now but he actually invited me on his show the very day I finished the very day I came into Arklow I had the head for the Dublin. very day it wasn't the day after anything no it Jeez. was the very day and my backup team I said oh girls I'm 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 wrecked here I don't think I'll be any good well you won't get another chance so you better go now so I finished in Arklow didn't even go home had a lovely chat with all the people was up on the stage getting flowers and awards and all sorts and before I knew where I was I was in a beautician's getting the hair done and they were sticking false eyelashes on me and the whole lot so I'm up to Ray Darcy and I'm sitting there and he's interviewing me and I'm trying to look lively and and healthy and the interview was over, it went very well actually, and the interview was over, and I was coming out to get, I literally was still in the studio, I was walking out to get into the car, and I rubbed my eye with my finger, and the eyelash, the eyelash came off in my hand, if I'd have rubbed my eye on television, yeah. I'd have had one lovely eyelash, and none on the other, it was just things like that happened, and then when I was finished, I did a lot of uh, going around to schools and talking to young people. It was a very busy month then, straight after that, wasn't it? Straight there, like, after it, yeah. There was a lot of awards and things ah, yeah. like that, wasn't yeah. it? Like, but like, like, in... like to the Outsider magazine. Yeah. So I think it was yourself and Noel Hanna. We had Noel Hanna on the podcast as well. Yeah. She got an award for... Uh, uh, it, like, it's an honour. Like Everything, going to a school to talk to the youngsters, it mm. is an honour. Um, the questions and then I would just say to the teachers let them ask me whatever they like you know and the interesting and intelligent questions that they'd ask yeah. you but I had been I was at my about my tent school and I thought <laughs> the question there is one question I haven't been asked yet and I'm going to be asked this one of these days and I was in a school and there were little national school kiddies and this little girl had her hand up and I pointed to her and uh, she says, and how did you go to the toilet? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, well, here we go. This is the question that I was expecting. So I sort of said, well, most times I'd make it to a, a garage or a restaurant or a hotel or the house I'm staying in. I said, but every now and then, you know, when you're a runner out in the winter, you get caught out. And then you have to like find a field and go in and find a nice place, private place. And all the little boys just went into his jerks. <laughs> yeah. The little hands went up and they were like, oh, they thought this was hilarious, you know. But you can't beat about bush, literally. <laughs> you have to tell them what it is like. I said, but that didn't happen very often. But when it happens, it happens and you have to be prepared. But it was the one question that hadn't come up. So a year later, here we are sitting here again. Here we are. staying at our house. And um, this time you're going for a lap of the map again with a slight difference. Slight difference. I, I enjoyed it so much the last time. I just thought I'd love to go back to all them beautiful places and see all those little villages and towns mm. and maybe mm. try and see as many of the people as well that I seen last year. So I came up with the idea of going around again, as I say, backwards on a bike. I don't mean sitting backwards, but down the other way. Mm go down down south first and come up so i've i started in arklow i finished in arklow last year on the 14th of april and i left arklow this year on the 14th of april and i headed south day one yeah you're thinking the weather's going to be better this year 
Day one, uh, an orange weather warning for wind. Day two, an orange weather warning with rain. But it, it got better. It got better. But they, they were first two days. You got it the wrong way around, didn't you? Because last summer was amazing. Yes. The best summer we've had yes. in years, and the winter was amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, yeah. you got it it's, the wrong way around. It's, but now it's picking up. It's fine. So but, how, how have you found it going around on the bike then? Have you, like, have you found it as, as, as challenging or? Physically not as challenging. Um mentally because i'm not really a cyclist i only got the bike about a week or two before i had done this <laughs> so i really hadn't been out on a bike but i cycled a bit all my life but i wouldn't call myself a cyclist yeah. so the worry was the safety and etc etc and the roads and the cars and, and, the, and, the, cars. <clears throat> and the first week was probably my hardest because my muscles hadn't adjusted to try climb up hills on this. It's an ordinary... There's some big hills. When you look at oh, places like Donegal and yeah. places like that, there yeah. are some major climbs there. There is. There is. But I, I, I actually got good at getting up the hills. Yeah. It's a good little bike. It's a hybrid bike, but it's got great gears on it. So I, I got the knack of how to get up the hills. Heart attack stuff, I have to say. But I got the knack. So after the first week, uh, when I hit a very big hill, I would just get off and push the bike up it. But then I got that I could climb a lot of the hills very slowly. And as I say, it wasn't pretty. Uh, if you were beside me, I think just that woman's just going to die, you know. But I'd get up the hills. I'd be more cautious coming down on some of them. Because your descent, especially if you're carrying your panniers, you just have to be careful. Because if you pull your brake the wrong way, you're, oh, the bike's gone, literally, and you're gone with it. So far, I would say I have only had about three, maybe four incidents that's not bad considering mm -hmm. I'm on my last five days to go. Um, I think the cyclists and motorists, I actually think 99% of both sides are careful people. Yeah. I think so 1% on each side, it's given the whole thing a bad name. And it is on both sides, isn't it? Oh, it's like on both sides, yeah. Some, I see some horrific oh, cycling yeah. Yeah, going yeah. on as well. Like, it's, it's definitely it's just on. It's an awareness really, but it's... Yeah. You know. Yeah, because like I'm, I'm sixty-seven years of age. But yeah, Mary. So it was your birthday two two, two days, days ago. ago. Yeah. Like that is amazing. You're sixty-seven years of yeah. age. Yeah. And you're cycling around the whole peripheral and, of Ireland, yeah. and you ran it last year. You, yeah. And um, for anybody else, nobody would say at this point. You know, if you look back ten years ago, would you ever imagine yourself doing that? But actually, you're one person that would say yes. Actually, I most probably would. Well, you know, I've always done um, ultra stuff and mar well, I, when I started off, I was a 400 yeah. meter runner. And if anyone asked me to run a mile, I'd say no. Because you've run your entire life. Well, like since I was 16, 16 I have. 16, so yeah. you are a good track runner. Yeah, decent track runner. Yeah, and like you're, one, you're unique in the facts. Are you the only female that's run every single Dublin marathon? I am so honoured to say yes, I am the only female that started in 1980 and it was only 40 i think women in it and less than 2000 people so it is an honor because like there was no so-called fun runners back then they were all club club runners and it was like literally on that start line because i hadn't done any great training i had 18 miles done and it nearly killed me so that day was like a day from hell when i got past 18 miles i literally yeah. did not know what was going to happen to me so that was my first marathon 
And then for some reason or other, I done the first marathon. I done the first All Ireland triathlon. I done a few firsts, and then I was in the second Dublin marathon. But it was never a plan to do them all. It's just that for about ten years, I was happily turning up at the Dublin marathon, the the biggest marathon at that stage, uh, to do and. I think at about, I don't know how many marathons in, someone said, oh, there's only a few women left. And then it kind of became a thing. <laughs> and myself and Bridget McCabe, up to the 20th marathon, I think it was, we were both in it and we're friends and we'd be competitors. competitors and it's great to see her back competing now. Uh, but I think Bridget's husband decided not to do the 21st year. You want to break it? <laughs> I thought Bridget was in it because she was, I think she was on the start list. And someone said to me at the end, um, did you see Bridget in the park? And I said, no, I don't remember. I don't think she passed me and I don't think I passed her because I was thinking mm. the race. And I said, no, Bridget didn't run this year. And it was like, what? You know, it was like, <laughs> I was almost, almost disappointed because we were, we were battling along yeah. and I just thought, well, now you're the only woman that's done them all. And I thought, well, what the hell will I do now? You know, because like... It's, she motivated you, like... She motivated me each year. But you were phenomenal, going. though. It's like, you didn't just turn up and run. Like, you have run a sub three hours. I have. I know, I would have been Dublin. competitive, yeah. I would have been competitive. Well, Self-trained, was it, was it but 250, competitive. 2.57. Like, that was phenomenal. Just yeah. tell me about that, that one incident then. Because you didn't oh. even know that you were running the sub three, no, did you? No, I had... I just <clears> had a good spell of training and racing... And it was the second Dublin Marathon. I, you know, I was a regular sub 40 10K runner. But back in the day, we didn't think that was great, really, you know, because you'd go to a race and you'd run sub 40 and you might get fifth or sixth or you might pick up a third. But you just didn't know what, you know, we were very naive in a way. We were running without watches or garments or anything like that. We were racing. I was just racing the people that was in the race with me trying to, trying to get in the top three, just trying. So I had done some half uh, half marathon or two and a lot of good lot of 10Ks that year. And I turned up on the start line of Dublin, but there was a local girl training really, really well. Mary Snell's her name. She was training really, really well. And I'd been a little bit injured. And everyone in town was saying, oh, I saw Mary turning at Gory Gory's 11 miles from Arklow, flying back to Arklow. And I thought, oh, God, Mary's training really well. We were always very competitive. Mm-hmm. So on the start line of Dublin that year, I remember standing there thinking, look, I'm going to give it the best shot here. And if Mary passes me, she passes me. There's not a damn thing I'm going to be able to do it. If she's, better, you know, if she's a better athlete on the day, that's fine. And I took off anyway. And I was running nice and steady. Uh, I don't. I didn't even have a watch on my arm. Got to halfway and I was happy with what they said. It was a sub, like a good, decent down around a sub one twenty something. And I thought, well, yeah, still on here. And I ran a negative split, as to say, but I wouldn't have known what that meant back then. And I picked up from there. Something told me to pick up. Something just said pick up. Now just after halfway, I picked up a little bit. Little did I know the bowel of Mary was sitting on my shoulder. I didn't look back, and uh, I've only told that later. You, you were having a great race with Mary, but I didn't look back, and I took off there, and I just went for it. Still hadn't a clue what a sub three hour meant, literally. 
And some guy came up to me then and he was giving me all this talk about if you keep this up, you're on for a sub three. He was make he, he actually was wrecking my head because I wasn't thinking that way. I was just having a good run. So I remember thinking I've either got to drop back and let him go or I have to move on and drop him. So I, He was just doing your head in. He was wrecking my head because <laughs> I didn't want to think about it. You know, I didn't want to start analysing this. It was just yeah. happening. So I think I pushed on. And I just kept pushing on. And when I came around that corner, the last corner, and I saw the clock reading 2.56 at the top, mm. I didn't realise what it really meant. But I remember bashing, bashing for the line and I had just pipped into 2.57. And um, I was delighted with myself. I, I was fourth woman. Back in them days, fourth woman got you nothing, let me tell you. Yeah. But I was turned up to about 19 miles and I was passed by... Uh, great athlete Greta Hickey another Hickey Greta passed me there and I ended up being fourth but seemingly on the radio it was RTE radio marathon um, the commentators were going um, Mary um, um, Hickey from uh, Wicklow is third but they knew nothing about me so they couldn't say which club or who was my coach I didn't have a coach I was just having a good run so I think they were delighted it was three DC Dublin City Harrier girls were first second and third and I moved into Fort. These days, Fort would get you something. And then I, I think I won the over 35s category and I got two little pewter thingies, which is fine. And the next year they got money. And every year I, I got somewhere in my uh, category, uh, I would, you'd get very little. But every year after that, and I didn't get it, it'd be money. So I wasn't destined ever to win money <laughs> at these races. But I don't run for money. I, I run for the love of it, you know. How have you seen it develop then over the years? Like 39 years, you've seen it grow and grow momentum, especially the last three or four years when the running boom. The Dublin Marathon itself has grown out of all proportion. It is very well organised. It's, mm. it's a very well put together. The committee have been there for years. It's the same they do bunch. They an amazing job, don't they? Same right? bunch of guys. Jim Ockney is just something else. And his team, not just himself, but... He puts his life and soul into that marathon. He's got it to where it is. And now it's one of the best marathons in Europe. And the entry is closed before Christmas last year. I think the moving it to a Sunday has yeah. done wonders for it. Because um, seemingly it was religious really reasons why they wouldn't move it to Sunday. As I said to someone, you will never get as many people praying during a marathon in a, in <laughs> yeah. any church there's a lot more dear god going on in any marathon than you'll get in any church so like moving it to sunday was a great thing because it means people can travel from overseas do their marathon on a sunday and they can still you know because it's a bank holiday monday the next day for some people they can get home was having it on the bank holiday monday you know kept the crowd down i think it's yeah. better. It's much better on. Is there any apart from that one? Obviously, sub three now. When you look back, it was amazing. Is there any other one that really sticks out in your mind? There's there's a few events that stick out in my mind. Uh, some of them are just little track races back in the day where you'd be racing over four hundred mm. meters. But I done um I done the marathon de sables, the desert race over it's seven five days. days. Yeah, it's six marathons. I don't know. Like, I you know. I think it's six. I think it's six. Equivalent marathons. to six. The fourth. Yeah. Fourth day you do a double marathon, and the fifth day you have another marathon. Yeah. Self-aided. Yes, carry your own bag and the whole lot for the week. I done that without gaiters. Gaiters are very important. 
<laughs> very important. I'd organised, I know couldn't find any gators in Ireland, so I had uh, some fellow was sending me gators from Scotland. I arrived in London, my gators arrived in Dublin, so we missed each other. So I went out to the Martin de Sable with no gators. Um, it was it was very interesting. My feet were in bits by the time I got home. Like, but I would just I just kept going. I, again, it's a stubborn thing. Salos? I think that was about ten years ago, maybe less. Okay. I wasn't young. Let's put it that way. But uh, I just how did you find that it. then? Like, is it when it gets dark, and you're sort of following people and things like that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had. I can't read a map. You're supposed to be able to read a map and a compass and the whole lot. I had, had no the map crew. and the compass. You had no clue at Mars and the Savills. <laughs> no, no, no. So I had a plan A and my plan A was always to have someone in front of me and pray to God that they're not lost because I'm following them. So the night stage came. Now the guys I'd gotten advice off said, Mary, plow through the long stage. Don't, don't do the sleepover. You can stop over at a checkpoint and finish it the next day or you can do the long one all in one day all in one go and they said just do it all in one go you know so i did that but i remember plowing out of the checkpoint where you could put your, yourself down and rest for the night i wasn't five minutes gone out it was like someone turned the lights out on the world it just went black and i hadn't got my headlamp out so i'm that was a little bit of a panic stage and thank god i had it packed into the rucksack at the very top so i got that on my head and um followed people in front of you have a glow stick on their back so i'm following glow sticks through the desert and this this guy in, he, in front of me he'd gone up a sand dune and disappeared down the other side so i just picked that point and i ran like hell until i got to the top and then i was i had him with me because you didn't um, want to lose sight of him no the place it, just was going pitch black oh yeah obviously. i i can't read a map or a compass it's no good to me i you have to that carry was good motivation as well that was it that plan a had to work <laughs> well you know there is a little marker about every 400 meters but in the night stage you you can't see them so as i say plan a worked and it was brilliant and i caught up on a big tall scottish guy and he was going to he'd passed me by and he was going to stay with me i said no no you, you keep going i'll be grand uh, i think what happened was we were boat running near the same time and there was a a chap and what are they called bedouins or whatever the local people are okay. he was standing out in the middle of the desert and suddenly we came upon him like you know it was like what the hell but i think uh, the scottish chap thought i had got an awful fright but i, I just that i did get a fright because this chap was just standing there and he said well i stay which i said no grand there's no harm um and then the geckos run around in the dark or i think they're called geckos these lads <laughs> with legs so there is a bit of a if you have fear you'd probably be very there's nervous quite a lot of people well there's quite a few people have got lost in marathon yeah some famous yeah, yeah. like elites have got yeah. lost in it especially yeah. when you're out up front i suppose i think so you're racing there's yeah. one guy was lost for two or three days and he's found yeah. he, eventually come across a small village like oh yeah no no that's that, dangerous even during your race there was somebody was oh yeah out of that race, actually it? the man in my tent a man that was in my tent i shared my tent with about six people and um there was two guys two chaps they were irish but they live abroad and i think they got too competitive with each other to be honest i think they were 
trying to beat each other and they hadn't an awful lot of experience because I was chatting to them and I said lads the advice I've been given is to treat this like a marathon and the first three days let yourself adjust and then you'll get used to it and you know you'll get you'll get into it like literally on day one I went up the first massive bit of a climb and the bags pulling me off the mountain and I actually got to the top of the hill and it was like something now the exorcist I got <laughs> puked my guts up on top of the mountain everything came out of me like shooting out of me and I was very very sick and I just oh my god now I've lost all my fluids and salts I'm going to get in big trouble so I'm sitting I sat myself down on a rock to pull myself together and people were going by and I think they thought that's me out because you have to kind of put yourself out mm-hmm. or if you if you collapse they'll take you out but I said no I got to get to the next checkpoint and get some salt tablets into me so I got myself to the finish and the guys had given me advice and said if you feel you're dehydrated go and get go and get the drip Mary they'll give you the drip they'll take an hour off your time but if you're bad enough they'll give you you can get the drip so I remember finished that day and I went over to the medical tent and I went to the door and they're mostly French doctors and that and I'm standing at the medical tent with my arm out banging it so can I have the drip I need a drip <laughs> So um, the girl just said to me, I have a funny feeling you might need a drip because I think if you can stand here and demand it, you're probably not that bad. So she says, come in and they won't give you, you have to use your own water. But they gave me kind of like salt, like diorolite really, and they put it into the bottle. And they said, you sit there for an hour, sit there and drink all that and then let us know how you are. And I sat down, you're sitting on literally old carpet in this medical tent. And I sat there feeling all sorry for myself. And then I looked around the tent. And then it suddenly dawned on me, you're not dying, Mary, but some people in here are definitely in, in a bad way. Like they were literally lying down, flat out, gone, with drips in their arms. Come, and I'm there drinking me water. And I'm going, um, Mary, drink it up and get out of here, for God's sake. You're not that bad. There was a chap beside me, honest to God, he looked like he was going to die so I put my little shoes on my feet they give you these cut the blisters off your feet and they give you plastic shoes and you wiggle your way back to your tent carrying your day supply of water and I got back to my tent there was a funny atmosphere no this was uh, this was day two or three I got into my tent it was a long stage and it was an awful atmosphere in the camp I felt I said something's not right here the medical crowd were not chatty there was no great chatting going on it was something was not right so I got back to my tent and it turns out one of the men in my tent John was his name collapsed in the desert with heat stroke and they had to uh, induce him into a coma and airlift him out to Bordeaux and it was 50 50 whether he was going to make it or not so that makes you realize like how serious it is i believe that chap wasn't right for about six months it took him a long long time to fully recover and, and that especially was, when we're not used to that uh, those yeah. type of conditions you know you yeah. put your body in such a hostile environment it, it is um but i'm very sensible about mm-hmm. I, I feel i can cope with things i i think i know you have to know yourself pretty well yeah. don't you know yeah. how to read the signs and know yeah. how to manage it yeah. i suppose well, I got thing. stronger as the week went on. Mm-hmm. I literally got stronger as the week went on. I remember one day finishing and uh, Eurosport were going around with our camera. But I stupidly had decided to... One of the guys in the tent had run out of socks and he only had one smelly pair of socks left. 
and he didn't know what to do, how to wash them. But um, I, I'm, I use a bit of initiative. There was, um, you get plastic bottles, you're not allowed to drop anything in the desert, you have yeah. to give them back. So I got a plastic bottle. You lose bottle. points if somebody finds you a do. bottle. Yeah, you? you do, you do, you do. So tiny. we had, there was a couple of plastic bottles there that were finished with. So I remember cutting the top off one and sticking these socks into the bigger part and putting the other part and washing it like a little washing machine. <laughs> and I could see the Eurosport coming at me with the camera said, I'm not getting caught washing some man's socks in the desert. So I said, there you go, wash your own socks. But uh, I tell you who was in that year, um, the Osborne chap, what's his name? Um, he used to do a lot of adventure stuff. Okay. Um, Ozzy's... Oz, um, Ozzy's son, can't think of his name. I can see his face like that. Yeah, he... Um, so he actually done it as well. He was in it the year I was in it. Uh, but he was struggling and uh, he... I saw him having... You send your you, you send your flare up or you let them know or you walk over to the to the Eurosport and the medics and you say, I'm out. And I could see him, he decided he'd had enough. And I remember seeing he had gators on him. So my mind went into overdrive. So when I finished that evening, I went over to him, Jack, Jack Osborne, Jack Osborne yeah. and I asked him, could I have his gaiters? But and he would have given them to. He said, I would love to give them to, but were stitched to his shoes. Right. So that was that plan went astray. So still no gaiters, <laughs> but um, carried on, and uh, it was it got better. The long stage was good. The next day then is it's only a marathon. You can say that after the long stage. Yeah, but the long stage is on day four, so it's quite a strategic. Yeah. sort of curveball because it's self-sufficient so you food there and you have yeah. to be careful you don't consume all your food yeah all yeah. over fatigue yourself yeah. for the last day yeah that's that's, that's well sneaky. if any if anyone had seen my food supply going out on the airplane i would have been arrested i had i there was not again nothing very scientific here i had complan in money bags you know like the paper money plastic yeah. money bags i had complan in that i just had rice dry that dried rice i had nothing very sophisticated i had no great protein or anything i don't know i have i'm good at managing but you have to cook it all yourself and try and you have to figure out you light your little fire and get it going you have to carry all your stuff it's, it's very interesting mm. um, experience the like. water i felt sorry for some of the big tall say guys like that were six foot three or four they get the same amount of water as me five foot five yeah. or four and a half and it was a big german man in front of me and i said he's going to knock me out in a minute and take my water because you could see the man was clearly suffering yeah. so they decided because there was so much trouble that year it was the highest humidity and it was dreadful um storms windstorms they they had a big meeting and they decided it'd have to give extra water because okay, people were getting people were getting in trouble yeah. But you mind your water, you don't waste it, you know what I mean? There's but you had done really well in some of the altars as well. So the Wicklow Way, ah, yeah. like, there's yeah. a good story about your first time you entered, the second time, and the third time you entered. So the yeah, first time, first time yes. I won, the second time I was second, third time I was third, so I thought, this, this is it, that's it yeah. now, you've done enough of that. It's, just, it's quite a well-known race, like, it Wick, the Wicklow Altar. Like. Yeah, that was the first one I won, was the very first one. I had a great run, I, I think I got around in five hours. And it's 50k and yeah. you know it's tough in the Wicklow Mountains, yeah. very tough, uh, but it was very enjoyable in its own way. I'd been a bit injured so I thought I'll try running this mountain thing, it's 
softer than the road so it actually cured my injury because I had Achilles tendons I think it's like the, it massaged it out of my legs yeah, you burned I, it out I, more I, like... I had no injury after it but I had a great race it was a good old race um, Jane Watt was the favourite there wasn't many women in it back in the day but Jane was the favourite to win it because she is a hill runner but uh, I, I, got, I caught Jane going up the hill to the halfway and then I just went hell for leather on the way back I took an awful tumble at one stage on the best bit of road that you could possibly run on lost concentration caught a tree trunk and went flying through the air hands knees you know the works but it, it wasn't bad damage it was just stones in your yeah. knees and stones in your hands so i, I just, wasn't gonna stop mary like oh no no <laughs> well it, maybe if i wasn't in front it might have but it wasn't going to stop me no and so i won the first one and i went back to it i think it was about let me see about five years ago i just thought i wonder can i can i do this as a woman over 60 and make the they have a bit of a cut off i think it's fairly generous now but i said i wonder could i do it and make the cut off so i didn't train very hard as usual but i did do a, i went up the mountains a few times with my friends and uh, i turned up to do it and it was the conditions were horrendous <laughs> the year before the sun was shining people were literally taking photographs and all the coats were off they were in their little vests but this was a two coat job and gloves the hats the whole lot and I managed to uh, get through and make the cut off so I'm happy with that but I'm kind of avoiding hill runs at the moment because with the 40th Dublin Marathon coming up I want to survive that I've had a couple of years where obviously I'm, I'm the year before last my 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 poor ex-husband passed away last year but he was one of the men who had done them all and he wanted to go around it so we got permission to push him around in a in a, in a the big wheelchair thingy that was interesting let me tell you because we had never trained with with it and it's a huge thing because you didn't even have one before the race no we only got it the day before <laughs> oh my god i was exhausted going to the start line but it was worth it for tony to get yeah. around it because you didn't even have one did you, you no. just post out and see has anybody we, got um tony's partner had um, got one but it was a normal aluminium wheelchair upright tone like he would have ended up in a hospital even though he was very sick he'd have been in the hospital for a different reason and we wouldn't have been able to push him in it it wasn't suitable so um i i, I was very stressed because tony thought he was going to do it and i'm going and i'm in work and it's a saturday and i'm going lads that it's not going to work it's not going to work it's just not going to work so my friends put up a call on social media and we actually got a, a, a call from Greystones that there was a chap up there had one that he wasn't using. So my friend Tommy borrowed his friend's van and we headed to Greystones. Uh, the van was, or I don't know how we got there in this van because there was a thing on, I don't drive, but there was a thing on the front keeping it going, you know, it was dodgy. So we got to Greystones and we walked into the door and this this thing was about eight foot long, maybe longer. It was huge. But I got, I sat in it and I thought, this will do the job because you're practically lying down in it. Your feet are up, your arms are comfortable. And I thought, this is great. Well, now we had to try and get it out of the house and into the van. We couldn't get the back of the van opened. 
and it turns out that if we stop the engine we mightn't get it started again <laughs> but we had to stop the engine and get the back up we got the chair into the van this is like saturday late we headed back for Arklow. I said, we'll be arrested now and this, with this van and everything in it. We headed back to Arklow and on the way back, I suddenly realised, oh my God, if we can't get this chair into the bus in the morning with Tony to get us to Dublin, we can't go. So I phoned the garage that, uh, on a Saturday night and... Uh, Fair play to O'Mahony's garage. They said, yeah, come, we'll, we'll see what we can do. So we got to O'Mahony's late enough on a Saturday evening. And we we thought we're not going to fit it in. But they managed to, wig, you know where the luggage goes? To wiggle it in around and we had to tie it in there. So at least we knew we had it in there. And then we get, I don't think I had anything to eat. I don't even think I had breakfast. So we're down and getting Tony and everyone onto the bus and getting the chair out and myself and my friend Tommy from Arklow were going to push this chair and there was another two guys going to help us. So we got Tony into the chair and we headed for the start line. And as we were going in past um, Jill, Tony's partner was saying goodbye to him and I was talking to Jill and Tommy took off with the chair. <laughs> and when I turned around, Tommy was gone with Tony and I'm going, Oh my God, where the hell are they gone? The crowds were massive. So I go to the start line. It's like 10, 15 minutes to the start. No sign of Tony or Tommy and the chair. And I'm up, up with all the, the, the people who have to start, people who are, are in chairs or the people who are visually impaired. I'm up with these people, but I don't have a person. <laughs> and I'm trying to wave at them in the, in the thing to make an announcement. And the girl comes down and she writes down who I want. And the next minute, thank God, Tommy appeared. How, where he went, I do not know. So we're there anyway. And we took off. The race started. We took off with the chair. Well, the chap did tell us that one of the wheels was dodgy. And you have to be careful. You have to keep kicking it back in. So Tommy took off, I think, too hard, to be honest. And I said, Tommy, we're not in the race. We're just trying to get Tony around safely. So we, we ran so far and Tommy was beginning to sweat. So I said, Tommy, calm down. I, I pushed it for a while. Tommy pushed it for a while. Many other two guys joined in to help. And they're very fit young fellas. So they were tearing along with the chair. And I said, lads, the main thing we do, we need to do here is not do any harm to anybody else with this chair. This is not chariots of fire here. We're just trying to get Tony around. But um, it went well. We had to stop twice. Tony needed to, to the bathroom, so we had to stop twice. And then one at one stage, I realised I have ha I haven't even been to the loo, you know, before a marathon. And I said, lads, I'm going to run ahead and try and find a, a loo, and um, I'll catch us. I'll catch up on you, or we usually catch up on me. And I ran straight through the crowd into a pub, went to the loo, came out, and then I stood there. I said, now I don't know whether they've gone ahead of me. Or they're behind me and I had the medication for Tony in a bum bag that was very important medication and I stood there now I'd asked two people outside would they keep an eye for an adult and about four people an adult in a wheelchair and about four people with him they were gone when I came out I thought oh my god I don't know whether to run like hell and try and catch them or stand here 
and I hope they'll come around the next minute they came around the corner. So it was an interesting one. The last six miles was coming up that last nice straight. I literally had to keep saying, lads, please be careful. Because like people are now, in, this is like Death Valley now. People are in trouble. They're not going to be looking out for the wheelchair. They're looking out for themselves. It was a great thing to do though, because he, he, he had run it loads Tony of had done. Stuff. Tony was one of the only men to have done them all. And like he'd say himself, he wasn't a great runner, but he was a consistent runner. Mm. And he turned up every year. And I actually feel sorry for some of, like there's 12 people left that have done every marathon. And they always talk about the oldest man and the youngest man and the only woman. But the people in the middle, yeah. just they're there every year, but they don't get as much recognition. So I just felt as though if we could get Tony around this one. Lovely, isn't it? it is, but my, my saying now when people say how many years left, I said, listen, there's only 12 of us left. Now we're not dropping out anymore, we're dropping dead. <laughs> so, like, we're, we're not, it's like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you have to joke about this kind of thing. They're all, now one fellow's only in his 50s. He's only a kid, as far as I'm concerned. But, like, some of them are really now, really in trouble age-wise. But they still want to try and do it. And fair play to them, you know. And I still want to try and do it. But I think Martin Kelly might end up, he's the youngest. And he's running very well. He's running, he's running really consistently very well. The law of nature means he should be the last man standing. I am the last woman standing. <laughs> the last man standing. Like, exactly. So, but Dub- Dublin does mean a lot to me. But I also did the first ever London Marathon. Wow. Uh, what that, year was that? Uh, I think it was 81. Okay. Dublin was 80. I think London was 81. So it, it's nice to have done that one as well. And I've done, I did a Boston Marathon. But uh, and I've done a lot of cross country and I used to do the Five Nations cross country. That's a competitive little competition, let me tell you. And I've done that two or three times. But you see, the trial for that is about three weeks before the marathon when you're in good form. But the race is about three weeks after the marathon and you're not fit to stand. So I remember doing the last one I did competitively and it was like it was hell. But you are going to kill yourself in these races because it's a team competition. I had a pair of spikes on me. I took them off coming out. They were old, dilapidated spikes at this stage. And I threw them in the bin on the way out of that one. I think it was in Scotland. And I said, that's it. No more cross country for me because it's just... Relentless. Relentless. And, you know, it's, it's a competition. England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland... It's a competition. You'd think it was the Olympics you were in. It is serious stuff and it's great. But I feel as though, I felt as though the time that I, after the marathon, I'm not on my best. And there's probably other women there. Yeah, that and would I felt be. that myself. This will be my 10th Dublin this year. Yeah. Um, so the 40th marathon, but it's my 10th Dublin. Yeah. But it does occupy your time around that time of year. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah, because it all sort of revolves around yeah. that. There's like plenty of races, like we have the course of coast, etc. Yeah. Which I haven't entered an event this year, though even though I've entered both. <laughs> yes. Getting greedy now. Yes. Um, but it does occupy those few months every year. So if you've done it for thirty nine years. Oh, it's Groundhog Day. It gravitates you, like and everything it, you do. Sort everything of sort around it. Revolves around it, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. But this year, 
I'm hoping to have about 40 runners from my local area. Yeah, so you, you give back an awful lot into yeah, the well, running community now. You, yeah, you, you help you try. coach and train. Yeah. Um, what would one of the, your runners say about Mary? Oh, <laughs> that's an interesting question. Well, they all think I'm mad anyway, you know, but I think you have to be a little bit... Yeah. A little bit loopy to be putting yourself through these things. But I reckon myself, it's it's fantastic for your mental health, your mm. physical health. And it's great social life as well. You know, I mean, I wouldn't have gone the places I've gone if I didn't get into athletics. I actually reckon if I didn't get into athletics, I'd, I would have been an, a class A alcoholic or a drug taker because... I think we're that kind of personality. Yeah. A lot of a lot it's of people. Into you, like addictive behaviors. Or... It's that kind of a thing, mm. but I always reckon I'm not necessarily addicted to it. it is a passion as well. Mm. It is a passion that's just not going away. It's funny, like I heard somebody explain it in a way one time, which I thought was good. It's like if you take like gas or gasoline and you put a light to it, it's quite explosive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but if you channel yeah. it in the right way and you put it into a combustion engine, yeah, you know, it'll, it'll drive you in the right way. Yeah. Like, yeah. So even though you have this innate sort of character buildup, oh yeah, you know, yeah. it's just applying it to the right thing. So yeah. a lot of people that are in ultra running do have that sort of background, or there's a lot of people that have, um, you know, been rehabilitated through running and oh, things yeah. like that, and they become yeah. There's loads of ultra running books out there of people that used to be alcoholics or yeah, drug users. You can you can feel the common theme. You yeah, unfortunately well, you? yeah yeah. <laughs> I, I it's just I, unlucky that it was alcohol or it was drugs or yeah, lucky if it was running. Yeah, you know what I mean? Or yeah, eventually come to that path. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a healthier path in its own way. <laughs> thank goodness. But um, yeah, I did go through a few years where I was socializing a lot more than I probably should have. And I remember at one stage thinking, something's got to give here, Mary. Something's got to give. Uh, like I, I've been married and separated. I have three sons. I've worked on every job you can think of. Uh, hard living, hard playing. And at one stage I thought, because I was going out with my friends uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday night. And trying to go to races as well. And I remember at one stage thinking, I got bored kind of with the social life. And I remember thinking, you're going to have, to, something's going to have to go here. And I thought about it. I said, what, what's going to go? Because you can't keep this up. And I came to this conclusion that I would only go out if I did well. I wasn't doing well in my races for a few years. I said, I don't want to give up the running. But here's, I came to this compromise in my head that I go to the race and if I felt I did okay, I'd go out and have a drink to celebrate. So for a good while, I wasn't going out to celebrate, let me tell you, because like I used to hitch to my races because I don't drive. I'd hitch all the way to Dublin and, or wherever and I'd be in a race and every now and then I'd say to myself, Mary, for God's sake, you didn't come all the way up here just to jog around this, did you? You could have jogged around in Arklow, get a move on. So I started training a bit harder again and racing a bit harder and then I started picking up the odd master's prize again you know and, and getting myself I always try to be in the top five in my category if I can 
and even better if I can gain to top three. But it means racing hard because the competition is fierce out there. So then I started moving back up and getting prizes. And then I'd come home and say, well, why would you throw that away now and go, go out and have drinks when you're really not really that interested? And then I got back in. I, I realised it's the running that I was enjoying more than the boring. Because you go out and you see the same people every week and I just said, no, I'm bored with that now. I'm done with that. So... What I like now is is to challenge myself some way physically. I've tried, I mean, years ago I'd done triathlon, but I'm not a swimmer. I'd done the first ever All-Ireland triathlon. I doggy paddled, literally. There was no wetsuits. So I moved away from triathlon. But I haven't biked. So that's why I'm finding this, this is very enjoyable. This lap is very enjoyable. I'm on a bike. I'm meeting lovely people. I'm being careful. And Mary, you're 67 years of age and you're as fit as a fellow. But sure, look, at it, isn't it great to be able to do it? Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at it. And if I can inspire people around my age, because I do get a lot of that said to me back in Arklow, it's great for the older woman, you're, you know, you're, you're showing that it can be done. You see, to be honest, though, like, I'm 43 mm. and it inspires me to think, because when I started running when I was 35, I thought, okay... Yeah. Do what you can do before you get 40 and start yeah. slowing up. Yeah. But your mindset is changing now, and yeah. people like yourself yeah. inspire us to think, well, well, actually, I can be doing this for the rest of my life. Yeah, you can. You know I mean? But I mean, I, I'm, I'm from Arklow, a small enough town, and you know, you go through a lot, a lot of self doubt sometimes when you're a certain age and you're a woman. Because I remember one time I was out running one winter's night and I overheard some ladies ahead of me saying, oh, here comes your woman, you wouldn't put a milk bottle out in it. So you kind of, you kind of sometimes, you know, you come out your door and you know you're going to get a bit of stick for, this was back in the day when there wasn't many women running. But, you know, you've got to think it's changed. It's totally changed. Um, females, girls can do whatever they want now no matter what age but when I was young when I was say 15 to to 20 a woman of 40 wouldn't be seen dead out exercising that'd be it you're you're in your in your house you've got your blanket and your knitting and I just thought no that that doesn't have to be that way so I feel sorry for the generations behind that didn't get the opportunities now one day I remember very very well and I was only about maybe 23 and that's a long time ago I was running training locally and I was running by this old lady's house now the lady was probably in her 70s and she lived out the country and I was running by her house and she actually came out to the wall and she says oh I'm so well for you able to do that now I'd love to have done that but she was from a generation where yeah, yeah. women would have done nothing really except, and there's nothing wrong with that if that's what yeah. you want, but it would have been housework, children, and that's it. There'd be no sport involved in any form. It's so different, eh? It's totally yeah. different, and I don't know where it'll all end up. I hope it'll continue the way it is. Like a lot of races now, is nearly 50 50. I don't, I don't think it's going to go backwards. It's only going to get bigger and it bigger. It will. Because every yeah. year, it's just, there's just this huge boom. But it's something that's just got momentum and it's yeah. it's given people exactly what they've been looking for and yeah. a better purpose and a better yeah. life and a better time for themselves. And it's 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 one of the cheapest forms of mm. of fitness. All you need, in my mind, all you need is a half decent pair of runners. The rest of the gear doesn't matter that much. You you can get it fairly cheap. You just need a half decent pair of runners, and a 
just build up slowly and it's amazing where you can go from there you know i think sometimes there's too much technology involved in in running don't overcomplicate it don't overcome it's simple we're meant to be out there running. i've got one question and the whole nation's going don't ask her don't ask her but, go on but what's next mary oh you yeah. arrive home in, on, i know on friday is it i is arrive it? home on sunday afternoon i'm hoping to get into town around four o'clock it's not going to be the, uh, the big welcome that we had the last time. This is a low-key lap of honour, as I call it. But I've enjoyed it that much that I, I kind of think I'd like to do something else on a bike. <laughs> now, I kind of think I might stick a little engine on this one. But uh, I have it in my head to do a lap of another map. Yeah. That'd be what? three laps. Uh, I have it in my head that I might I, this is in my head now but I will say it uh, that I might try to plan but without the big backup support and just try and figure it out myself this time but I just might try and plan um, Wales, England and Scotland <laughs> and just keep going till I get around it but this is in my head now you know. but that is no, that came nice. to me halfway around this lap because I'm enjoying it so much. Now you have to be careful out there on your bike. But uh, it's a lovely way to travel. Something, something tells me that nothing's really going to stop you, to be honest. Well, as, as a, a man in my rowing club uh, says to me every Sunday when, if he's down there, and uh, I'd say, how are you doing today, John? He says, I'm great. Sure, I'm on the right side of the soil. You know, so like when you're alive, why not live and, and do what you can do? My my boys are big now. They don't need me anymore. And they're used to me just going off. Um, I am I am a, a single person. So like I don't feel I'm letting anyone really down at this stage. And my boys would be delighted to see me going off again. But uh, I, I feel I feel I can just be free and just do what I like. Mary, thanks very much. I have to say when you were here last time, it was last January, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And um, I was playing with the idea of doing a podcast. Right. And as we sat over dinner, having a glass of red wine, it was at that point I made that decision. Oh. I listened to you talking about your stories. And that was, I always called that the very first unofficial podcast. Oh, I and remember that conversation. It wasn't recorded. Yeah. And so it was brilliant a year later to have all those podcasts behind us now yes, because of that yes. night that sort of inspired me oh. um, to hear actually record your podcast thanks oh, well it's an honour thank you very much I'm going to let you get to bed now because you've you. got <laughs> you have to get tomorrow's I, cycle I have a few more days to do That's a few excellent. more days to do wow Mary truly is an amazing woman it just goes to show that you really can achieve anything if you have an idea speak it and then take action I'm sure this isn't the last we've heard of Mary I wish her all the luck in the future Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Age really is just a number. Until next week, stay safe and keep on moving.